This is Dynamite After Dark. This is your, this is your host, Zanman Shane Sabunia, along with my good buddy Jeff, and we are your usual Kingdom of Honor host. We are also your instant reaction here on LOP Radio to AEW Dynamite. And for the second straight week, Jeff, we get an ending that makes you want to tune into the next week. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I thought this entire show was great. Again, a um, couple missteps with the commercial breaks, but otherwise, I thought everything about it was great. Yeah, a couple missteps with the, with the commercial breaks, but still a lot less than than we've seen over the years with Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my only issue with it was the fact was the placement of the commercials, uh, the fact that they did it during a um, number one contender match and then the main event. Mine too, but you know that I'm thinking that they probably are just you know allowed a certain number of the split screen stuff, and there's probably those, other, those hard ad breaks that they have to go to at certain times. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I mean, but I, I wish they would have done it. Network television, you know. Yeah, and I get that, and I, I just wish they would have used the maybe a full ad break for the first one instead of watching the private party dancing in the crowd, and kept the split screen for one of those matches. Other than that, I mean, this, right. that, that's, my only, that's my only negative. I, I, again, I thought the ending was amazing. Uh, I love the MJF. Uh, uh, I don't know. Do we call it a face turn? I don't think it's a face turn. I think he's still, I think he's still the arrogant asshole that everybody's supposed to hate. It's just that, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a man that he's, you know, that he loves and respects, and he's going to come down there and save him and, you know, save his family if he, if he has to. Um, and then... You know, so and and we got a, a couple of great we got some great moments here from some young, from some young guys here. So, you know, yeah. we got we got Hangman Page setting up what I what looks like it's going to be a pay per view match between him and Jack Jake Hager, possibly at full gear. Um, so a nice spotlight match for Hangman once again facing a world cha- a former world champion on a big stage. Um, we got that great moment like you mentioned with with MJF where the uh, the the recently christened stable of Inner Circle is out there um, out, out there they have they have Cody all vulnerable MJF comes down with a chair and they're holding Cody for him and MJF attacks the inner circle especially specifically I think it was Ortiz uh, rather than going after Cody and then he and then you know he lays them all out with that chair he's uh, kind of celebrating in the middle of the ring and it turns around into a code breaker uh, so kind of making that celebration short-lived. But then it ends with Darby Allen, who won a match earlier in the night against Jimmy Havoc, to, to face Chris Jericho next week for, for the AEW World Championship, the number one contender match you mentioned just a bit ago. He comes down on a skateboard and nails Jericho with a flying, I think it's a flying clothesline off of there. So you know, It looks like a great, knee. A great showcase in the last five minutes of the, of the show or so for some young, some young up-and-coming talent. Yeah, and I, I thought he hit him with a knee, but regardless, he riding a skateboard down was, like Jim Ross said, that's something I've never seen before, so that was kind of an interesting thing. I'm a little uh, confused at why um, Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc, as much as I love to see their little feud continue, and I like seeing Darby finally get the upper hand, I don't understand why they that was a number one contender match. Well, Did that make any sense to you? One contender match, so it gives it gave Pack something to, to bitch about later on in the show. Well, I mean that's that's about it, and gave Jericho, uh, you know, someone to wrestle next week. But it, it just it 
with everything that they're planning on doing um, by making this, you know, win based or, you know, win orientated and sports like that was one of the farthest things from it. And that's, uh, and that's also my um, one complaint about the placement of the, of the breaks too. It's because they want this to be sports orientated. They want this to be, you know, um, to be treated more like real sports than entertainment then why go to a break during a number one contender match? When you go to a break during a number one contender match, you're basically saying to the world, this is choreographed, then we know they're going to make it through this three-minute break. Yeah, I, I would, for that reason, I, w- I would like them at some, I would like them to have these things happen where, where the matches end during a break and then they come back and show us the replay of what happened. You yeah, know, because it, it, it happened occasionally on WCW Saturday night, and I think it happened once or twice on Nitro. But, you know, it's, it's never really happened in WWE. I would like AEW to do that at some point. So, so it is more like real sport work work comes back and you don't know what's going to happen when they go to commercial. Right, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's that was my, like I said, my only, only complaint. Otherwise, from uh, bell to bell, this was a great show. I, I thought we had, you know, we talked last week about how NXT put on a pay-per-view quality show. I felt like this was a pay-per-view quality show. They had five matches and one, you know, one interview, and all five of the matches I could have seen on a pay per view. Well, I could have seen four out of the five, but we had Sean Spears in one of them, and that really didn't go well. Yeah, but I thought that was a good match. <laughs> I, I really did, and I, well, I, uh, I, I liked. I actually liked the um, state or the. Uh, arena going dark in the middle of the best friends interview and then just having him silently sitting on the stage i thought that was kind of a cool character moment for him it was it was a cool character moment for him but but it's you know we talked about this a little bit we did talked about that match coming up when we did kingdom of honor on monday night and i think we were both kind of like oh yeah that's that's a good match to have on there but the more i thought about it and and just with the match starting you know sean spears is not in john moxley's league so, so to me, that was just obviously an, an enhancement match for Moxley, just like it was, just like last week's was for Brandon Cutler against um, MJF. You know, and, only... and and I and I realize, you know, Tully Blanchard's out there that should even the odds a bit, but I'm still not sold on Sean Spears. It's going to take a lot to sell me on Sean Spears, as you know, and and I, I would much rather he was in, he was in there against somebody lower on the card. I don't think he belongs in the ring with John Moxley at this point. I. You got to get John Moxley on. You can't have him against main event talent every single week. Put him in against guys that are that you want to have as up and comers, and let him prove that he. For you, yeah, but you are one of the few people that hate him and are still holding the grudge from his days in a foreign company. It's he's not as bad as you as you make it out, and I thought they had a hell of a good match. Um. They had a decent match, but I but I'm not gonna. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it's a hell. Of a, it was a hell of a good match. I think Spears got way more offense than he should have in there, and I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it. I don't know if it is that I'm holding a grudge. Honestly, I think it's more like the guy just bores me. You know, I mean, it was one time in the show where I turned to my phone and started and started flipping through my phone because it just Sean Spears just bores the living shit out of me. And see, I, I like his character the way it is now. I felt like his in their roles, I felt like in their roles, 
they played it perfectly. I mean, Moxley is clearly the face. You know, standard wrestling, the heels always dominate. And he got in the amount of heel offense he should have gotten in. Now, I, I mean, I, I get where everybody's coming from that he's not in Moxley's league. But the reality is, is what Moxley hasn't had a match on in AEW yet. This was his debut match. Putting him in against a Sean Spears is a good move because, to be honest, outside of people that have been following him for you know the last decade in different promotions, he has not done anything in AEW. That's true. I, I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess. Probably part of my feeling about that match is I thought is I thought that Mox that you know Spears didn't deserve that spot on the card. You know, but that's main, that for him to, be, him to be in the semi-main event. If, he, if it had been the second match, I probably would have been fine with it. Yeah, but you know how these go. They have to have the cooldown match. And it's hard to say that any of these would have been qualified as a cooldown match. But they have to have that cooldown match. So, you know, it may be semi-main event just because of its placement. But the way that they're they're doing this with having a match like Private Party versus the Bucks kicking it off, like Sammy Guevara and, and Cody Rhodes last week kicking off the show, they're not holding back and putting semi-main events in semi-main event spots. They're sprinkling great matches throughout. I love the length of the matches. I love the fact that nothing was under 10 minutes. Um, it, or I think maybe that uh, female tag match might have been the only one that was under 10 minutes. Uh, I, I love that fact, that they're actually putting effort in, and they're not trying to get every single star that they have on TV every single week. They're only running five matches. They're not running 15 in a bunch of backstage segments. So let's talk about that female tag match for a minute because this is an example of what I'm t- – this is maybe an example that would, maybe will give you a little bit more insight into my feelings about Spears. So we've talked about on our show about how Britt Baker, to me, is boring, how she's how she's got a spot she, that isn't warranted to her, how I really don't like seeing her on my screen every week, right? So, right. I watched AEW Dark. I don't know if you have a ch- if you had a chance to watch it or not. I saw the first match. That was it. The Darby Allen match is all I saw. Okay, so there was actually um, I think there was four or five matches on on there, but um, one of them was uh, Britt Baker and um, Allie taking on Brie. Uh, oh shit! What the hell's her name? <laughs> Who's she having the feud with? I don't. I can't think of her name. A rear. Uh, B. Priestley. B. Priestley. I wanted to say Brie, and I knew that wasn't right. So so, uh, so B. Priestley and uh, Penelope Ford. And I'm watching it going, you know, they're calling Penelope Ford a young up-and-comer when I've already seen her in, in the first match I ever saw her in have a four-star match, and I've never seen Britt Baker do that except for in that Fatal 4-Way at All-In. Um, and yet... They've managed to make me care about Britt Baker by giving her a, a, a solid finisher that I think is really awesome. You know, it's basically like a brutalizer or a crippler crossface or the rings of Saturn, and yet they, but she's also like like pulling down the mouth, and it plays perfectly into her character of being a dentist. Not even just a character, but her real life thing about being a dentist. She should know how to manipulate the mouth like that and hurt somebody. And and so I'm starting to gravitate towards her a little bit because I love that finish that she has. Um, Spears, conversely. While I like, while I enjoy his character that he's been having, while I enjoy what he's been doing with Tully Blanchard, once that once that bell rings, I still see him as 
no more than a lower mid-card guy. And and he's going to have to do something really, you know, he's going to have to have something more in his matches, more, you know, more pizzazz in his matches or something to hook me in for me to actually get on board with him and not want to flip through my phone when he's on my screen. Yeah, and uh, again, too, I think that you're really holding on to a lot of uh, just bad taste in mouth from the I previous regime. It wasn't, Jeff. <laughs> I had the same feeling about Britt no, Baker, and, I, and, I, and I'm but, over that with Britt. But you haven't seen, Sean has only been in two matches, three if you count that uh, tag match, and he's had a hell of a good performance in each one, much, much better than anything he did before. I, I'm not trying to be an apologist for him. I'm not trying to change your mind. That's supposed to hook me, I guess, is what I'm, is what I'm trying to ask you. What does he do any different than anyone else? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, hasn't had a chance to really hit any high spots. He's just been kind of that, uh, I, I can't think of the word, but just. What does he do that anybody, nobody, what does he do different than anybody else? He bores the living shit out of me. That's what he does. Exactly, and and you're you're holding on to something. I, I'm I'm, I'm gonna let I'm it go. The matches. I'm telling you that. You're you're assuming that I'm doing something that I'm not doing. I'm I'm trying to. Well, be you you. Why? Only why, because you've said, only be, only because you've be, said it before. Why would I be more likely to hold on to the stuff with Sean Spears than I am with Britt Baker? Because Britt Baker hasn't been on your TV for six years like Sean was. Britt's only been around for two. She's only been. She's only had maybe. AEW was kind of pushing her down my throat, which which she's basically the only one they've been doing that with. And she's also not really been on the TV that often. She had that horrible um, segment where she was uh, an announcer at uh, All Out, but otherwise she's only had this is I think what her second match in AEW. No, you know she. On every one of their cards, I believe. I don't. I don't remember. I'll have to look back. But I, I thought that she was on Double or Nothing, and she uh, wrestled this match, and then she also was the commentator in All Out. No, she was a commentator at last week's Dynamite. Was it last week's Dynamite where she, she didn't? All out. She didn't say anything. Was it last week? She didn't say anything, and we were complaining about it. Yes, it was. Okay, all right. I, she, she, it's, was last, she was the last one eliminated the Battle Royal at All Out. Right. So she and was I don't. Her at All Out. I mean, she could have. No, I knew that. I knew that. I knew. She, what? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was in. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, regardless, she hasn't. She hasn't been around long enough. I mean, the main reason that the hatred was towards her was just because she was such a rookie, and so green that. Nobody had a history with her. It's a lot different with Sean Spears where people can hate him because they've seen him for a very long time. You know, there, I remember when he got called up to uh, a different roster and people were pissed off that he didn't deserve that spot. There's been a lot of anger uh, towards him for a while, and I think given time, that'll work out. As far as his placement in this, I didn't see a problem with it. Um, I didn't see a problem with, with him in a match with Moxley. I, I think that what AEW has been doing, and they've done in, in literally every show, is they've found a spot to take a, a young up-and-comer or somebody who's kind of a lower to up, lower mid-card to mid-card and put them in with a star. They did that last week with Guevara, and they did it this week with uh, Spears. 
and Al Spears has gotten that treatment twice, and I'm and I'm saying that the, that he should be building his way up from the from the bottom if he if he really is an up and comer. He shouldn't. Okay, be, he shouldn't be. His two matches he's had so far in singles action have been against Cody and against John Moxley, the top two baby faces in the company. That's ridiculous. Okay, and what about Darby Allen? What about Darby? I, Allen? He got his um, first match ever against the uh, biggest baby face in the company, and then and then since then. And then he went on uh, a couple of different, and then he went on a losing streak. His only win in the company was against Chima on a dark program, and then he's thrown into a number one contender match. Right, but okay, so let's 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 count this back again, Jeff, because you're because you're 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 making you're comparing you're wanting to compare apples to apples. Sean Spears has had two has had two singles matches in the promotion, right? Right. He's faced Cody Rhodes and John Moxley. Right. Kirby Allen has faced. Um, Cody, I grant you that. Then he also faced tonight Jimmy Havoc. AEW Dark, he faced Chima. Then he got the Cracker Barrel Challenge when he was against Jimmy Havoc and, um, and Joey, Janela. Joey Janela. So which guy has had the higher profile opponent so far? Which guy has gotten or is literally been in the business for two years and is getting pushed to the moon? Which guy has had higher profile opponents so far? I would say that uh, that Darby Allen has actually been in higher profile matches. Who has had the higher profile opponent so far? You keep dodging the question. <laughs> Neither one of them. They both face Cody, no, who is uh, the biggest face. Moxley has Spears, not done anything in AEW. Has wrestled multiple time world champions in both matches he's been in. Okay, Spears had wrestled a guy who never had a match in AEW. You want to say that? Um, we can't, if we're going to, I guess, I guess maybe that's it. We're taking history into account. The fact that Moxley has been a huge star in a number of different promotions makes him a top level main eventer, even though he has not done anything in AEW except attack Kenny Omega. You know, and, and so, I mean, I guess, I guess if we're going to do that, then yeah, then Sean Spears doesn't deserve a spot because he never proved anything anywhere else. I didn't say he doesn't deserve a spot. He doesn't deserve to always be facing the, facing the top guys in the company is what I'm saying. He hasn't always. He was in that tag match against uh, three mid-carters. In his one-on-one -on -one singles matches, in, in matches that yeah. are not tag team matches, his, both of them have been against former world champions, yes or no? We have to ignore the past. No, we don't. This is a fresh start for everybody. You really think Jericho would be the world champion if it wasn't for his past? No, I don't. You think Cody and I, I had, I had my, I had my issues. Yeah, because Cody has has not lost a match yet. So no, technically, according by the Young Bucks at uh, fight for the fall. But he's not lost a one on one match. True. You know, so he, according to their little formula, he actually is in line for a, a contendership. Darby Allen has won two out of seven matches. I don't think he's been in seven matches yet. Five. Let's see, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five. This was his fifth match. Okay, and he's won two. He drew so he's an, two. He drew with, an unde with the undefeated Cody. Right. Right, he's the, he's the only then, blemish on Cody's one-on-one -on -one record. And then he's lost two. And then, he, then he's lost... Uh, well, no, he did, did he really lose in that... In that uh, Cracker Barrel Challenge, because he wasn't the guy that was pinned. 
I guess, oh, I, guess I, get. Count, I guess it depends how they're counting those tag team matches, how that works out. I don't I don't remember what the records I do like that I do like how it shows the records when they're coming down. That's pretty awesome. Right. You know, I wonder, I wonder but, if, if they, once they get to like, you know, five hundred to three hundred if they're gonna still be doing that. But <laughs> so I think it's pretty cool. Oh I probably not, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I just it, to me I guess it, we can't if we're gonna you know, forget history for one, we have to forget history for all. But and I, if we're gonna, I didn't say we should forget history for anybody. I think we should. I really do. I think we should take it for what it is. It's a new company. Yeah, they've they've come into this company with promise. Okay, they so come into this. Let's forget history. What? 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 Uh, if we're forgetting history, then what about Sean Spears would allow him to have matches against guys that are in the upper main upper main event level of the promotion, rather than somebody like Darby Allen or Jimmy Havoc? What about Sammy Guevara? What about Guevara Sammy Guevara? Matches against, against guys that are not in the main event of the promotion. So you're 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 still you're still you're clinging to your to your love of Sean no. rather than no what a legitimate I, argument for. No, what I'm doing is I'm looking at it legitimately. I mean, what about Sammy Guevara? Except for the fact that he's been on the losing end of a couple of uh, matches says that he deserves a match against Cody Rhodes. He was on the losing end of a tag match. He was on uh, the losing end of the first ever match on Double or Nothing, and he wasn't on any other pay-per-views. He also didn't so what in his very first singles match was against Cody Rhodes, did he? But what did he what has he done that says, "Hey, you're a main eventer. You're going to be in the main event of the second ever Dynamite. You're going to be up against Cody Rhodes in the first ever Dynamite." I'm just saying, it's it, what has he done? You know, what has Darby Allen done to prove that he is a number one contender? Other than, and his first match ever in the promotion was against Cody Rhodes. Same thing that Sean Spears went through. Sean Spears at least earned his blood feud grudge match against Cody because he came out and hit him in the face with a chair. Darby Allen didn't do anything except look at him funny in a backstage segment. But I'm asked, okay, but I, but I, but I asked you, what did the, what did um, Spears do to get, to get a shot against Cody rather than somebody like Jimmy Havoc? And, and again, you're, you're, you're going around the issue. No, I'm not. It's the because, same thing. Because you want to what, ignore the past when it suits your purpose. No. No, what did no? I want to ignore the past with everybody. I'm doing it with Moxley. I'm doing it with Sean Spears. I'm doing it with Britt Baker. Um, but seriously, Darby Allen, at least Sean Spears, when he had his blood feud grudge match with Cody, it it, it was warranted because of his actions previously. That's not, Darby, that's not how you that's not how you earn a shot at somebody though. Um, that's how you earn blood feud shots. <laughs> it's happened throughout history. Okay, so That's, I, that so, is exactly so, how you so earn since it. You won't, since you won't give me a straight answer to any of the questions I'm asking you about, Sean I'm Spears. giving you a straight. I'm giving you a straight <laughs> answer. You've gone around it every single time. No. So I'm gonna. So I'm, yeah, no, I'm trying. I'm, I'm right giving comparisons. Well, of course, because we always. I'm saying that since Sean Spears is one of your favorites, he deserves whatever spot that he deserves, he should be the world champion right now, forever. So. No, I didn't say that. I think he's still no, an upper mid. I think he's an upper mid Carter. And I and think I right think now that's so, bullshit. I think he has he needs to earn that. And you're why you're does Mox, the past okay. taken into account? But I'm saying if he, if he didn't have that pass in WWE, he wouldn't have the spot he has right now. 
Would Moxley? Would Jericho? Cody? I'm just saying, but if you're you're going... Okay, and if we... I'm going by your premise. Okay, if if we're going to ignore the past, they should all be on an equal level. They should be able to face whoever, nobody cares. But if you want to look at it, Moxley's a main eventer. Cody Rhodes is a main eventer. Adam Page is a main eventer. These guys became main eventers because of their past. Right, so th- so th- exactly. So why does Sean Spears get to face main eventers every single match he's in? That, but that see, this is where it doesn't make sense because why then does Darby Allen get to face main eventers? He faced one in one match. Like I said, he said he had other Jimmy have? where he didn't face main eventers. Fucking Sean Spears has not. Let's move on. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so. Um, I think you and I both agree that Chris Jericho had one of the great promos of all time tonight. Yeah, that's true. He was he was absolutely amazing in his promo, um, introducing his new faction. You know, some I've heard suggestions that we call Alpha Club. I suggested Gratitude. The name of the faction is the Inner Circle, which is actually kind of um, ironic considering that he's kind of fighting against the actual, you know, AEW Inner Circle because his opponents are all like the vice presidents of the company, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool, and I, and I think they've given kind of everybody something to do here. So, uh, well, except for Guevara, I guess Guevara is kind of in the, on the outside looking in at this exact moment. But you know, it looks like Jake Hager is going to be facing Adam Page. It looks like um, the Young Bucks are going to be facing up against um, you know the former LAX Ortiz and Santana, and then Jericho, of course, has his has his world title match against Cody coming up in uh, Baltimore, but first he's got to face Darby Allen in Philadelphia next week. Um, so, I mean, we've got, we, so that whole faction is, is kind of split off and has other things going on. Maybe Guevara will be taking on MGF and kind of a heel versus heel thing. How would you feel about that? Well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm thinking MGF is kind of moving out of his heel persona in AEW. Yeah, he is, but it's kind of the direction they're going. He's been in, he's been feuding with anybody that takes on Cody, and they've all been heels. He's gotten into a bunch of face pop moments, including tonight. He did at, uh, um, it was a fight for the fallen, that six man tag. You know, he's, he's positioning himself to look like a face, just comes out, runs down the audience. Well, last week he did. So I mean, last week, last week against against Cutler, he was an absolute asshole to Cutler, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that he. And while he didn't cheat, he did take advantage of the referee being out of position and hit like a quick forearm to the face, and then locked in um, salt of the earth to get the tap out victory. So yeah, I, but it does. It... So I, I guess he, I guess he might be kind of you know wavering in that tweener role right now, actually. Which is which is what our complaint was about Cody for the you know the first four pay per views too is that he kind of wavered. Um, but if there if there's going to be an MJF versus Sammy Guevara match, MJF is going to be the face. It won't be a heel versus heel. Well, if he might be playing you know he's playing the face role. I don't know if he's going to actually be a face. Kind of like tonight, the Bucks in their tag match against Private Party, we're kind of playing the heel role, although we know that they're baby faces. I could easily see MJF turn his promo work from the crowd to his opponent. And if he does that, he's all of a sudden a face with those actions so far in AEW. 
Yeah, but why get rid of your, your best up-and-coming heel to make him a baby face? I don't understand that logic at all. It, there's logic all over the place. I don't understand. <laughs> but we're, 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 we're moving on from that. <laughs> Are we? Um, yeah, I mean, MG, I mean would, you, would you be down with that match, MGF versus Guevara come, you know, at Full Gear? Of, or one of, of course. Their, clash, their styles would clash perfectly. And I think they're both amazing workers and, and the future of the business. I would love to see that match. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, and we had talked before about how, and they were, they were, they were setting up the, the first couple of pay-per-views and stuff that they were setting up for a um, MGF versus Hanga and Page feud. And we, we kind of thought that could be like a, uh, like a rock Triple H type of thing where they were kind of kept feuding with each other during their during their careers at different levels. But, I, but I'd be perfectly happy for, for that to be Guevara and MJF spot as well. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where they're leaning. Um, I, and I think that possibly the whole Hangman Page MJF thing might have been put on hold simply because MJF is leaning towards that face role right now. And they're still trying to push Adam Page as a baby face. So, it's, it's I'm not weird because Hangman, you know, you know, Adam Page. For those who don't know his history, you know, he was he was the disciple of um, oh, what the hell is his name? I can't think of his name. But in in ROH, he was he was like an evil disciple there, and then it looked like he was breaking. He was broke away from that. He got injured. He broke away from that, and he was um, he was going to um, he was going to. It looked, like he, it looked like he was going to, to be on the side of the Briscoes against Bullet Club, and then he turned on the Briscoes, and, and he hung Jay Briscoe over the top rope with the noose, hence, hence earning the title Hangman. And so he's bit, so and then he, and then basically because Bullet Club went face, he went face. He never really had an official, you know, babyface turn on his own. He kind of turned along with the elite into being... Um, a baby face. So really, he does have he does have quite a heel past behind him. Well, and the thing is, is even when the elite first turned heel or turned face, he remained heel. His feud with Kenny Omega over the United States title, or not? I mean, I guess I guess it was Jay White after Omega lost it, but he he that was kind of a feud that he was having with Omega, and he was aligning himself with Cody. When Cody turned face. And the entire, um, you know, elites got destroyed by um, the OGs. That's when he really cemented his face turn and has been a solid face ever since. Right, and that was just under a year ago now. So it's not, it's not like he has a long history of being a baby face. Was it under? I thought it was a, exactly a year. I thought it was last October that happened. Oh, maybe it was. Because it was at, it was right, no, actually it was before that because it was before the G1. Remember how G.O.D. was uh, on the verge of being fired and attacking everybody throughout G1? So it's been it's been over a year that, since yeah, the guess, elite I really... I, I guess I was thinking that it, it happened like <coughs> where, the, where the Bullet Club kind of name just went to Jay White's team. But you're, no, you're right. It was, it was quite a bit before that. I, th- I want to say it was like it was right after it was Dominion. Like, it was actually probably like June or July. It was well. It was yeah, because it was Dominion was when Kenny won it, and then he faced Cody in the U.S. in July, and that's when Cody turned face was against Kenny because he refused to hit him with the chair, and that's when the bullet when the OGs really turned on everybody, right. 
And, you know, and, and that's where it confuses me because there were people like Chase Owens. There were people like, um, uh, um, Yujiro Takahashi, not Takahashi. Yeah. Takahashi. And, um, you know, other people that now were aligned with the Bullet Club OGs who were amongst that beatdown. Oh, and it, and it was uh, it was B.J. Whitmer that he was a disciple of when when Whitmer was having that feud against uh, against Oh yeah, you know, when turning Colby Carino against him and all that stuff. So. Okay, yeah, I do remember that now. Just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. <laughs> no, he really doesn't, does he? No, um, but I, I'm but I'm excited for him to have a, have a match against. Um, or you know, a battle against Jake Hager. I think that I think that's going to be a strong match between those two. I, I thought it was kind of weird that they were comparing um, Hangman Page to Barry Windham today because Windham was probably like you know four inches taller than Hangman and stuff. I mean, I mean, both guys are bigger guys that can fly, but you know, I I wouldn't have I would never have said, oh, Hangman is like a Barry Windham. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a weird little. Um, and I noticed that more during this show than I have everywhere else. They're really trying to tie in um, old w- NWA to current uh, to current AEW. It happened multiple times throughout this, where Tony and uh, Jim Ross were talking about the olden olden days or whatever. Yeah, comparing Jim Ross compar- was talking about uh, Jack Jake Hager and. And uh, talked about how he was how he was attacking everybody like like, like they were from uh, Texas because he's from Oklahoma. I was like, "Fuck you, asshole!" Not everything right. about your fucking football team, you jackass. Yeah, uh, he had some bad uh, bad moments today, and there was a whole. Lot, I did notice that Tony Schiavone did not talk a lot. There were a couple times when he did say something, and I was sitting on my couch going, "Holy shit! I forgot he was here." Yeah, I think he. I think he's kind of in that role where he's, he's kind of like an, anal, an analyst more than he more than he is like you know the color guy or the um, or the play by play guy. So I think he's just kind of in there to analyze if, if like a, like a specific situation comes up or something. I'm not really sure exactly. You know, and maybe and maybe they just haven't settled all their roles yet either. That could be part of it too. Yeah, true. I do like Excalibur, and I can't remember. I ended up messaging you what he had said. Um, but it was during the Darby Allen Jimmy Havoc match that made me laugh out loud. Oh yeah, looking for um, misogynistic and uh, I can't remember the other word. Make sure you have your uh, your safe search on your Google when you look it up. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny line. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, Excalibur is really good. I just I just don't know that uh, he's got the right um, pairing around him. You know, I, I mean, I, I mean, I know a lot of people were excited for Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone to work together. And I know Ross and I know Ross and Tony were excited to work together, but I'm not sure that those guys work together super well. You know, and and, and you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird for Tony to be in that kind of color role or analyst role when I feel like he's much more better suited to be a well, my sister, I just said much more better. What the fuck, Jeff? Um, <laughs> I think I think he's better suited to be um, the the lead play-by-play guy than he is to be in the, in the cover role. Yeah, I would rather see him. But it, you know, he's we've talked about this in MLW too. He's he's the perfect color guy in MLW, um, and I want to talk about that on Monday. But there was a moment that happened during the bunkhouse brawl 
on MLW that Tony Schiavone really kind of took the exact opposite of Jim Cornette. And I thought it was a fun moment. Hmm. I must have missed that. The exact well, Jim Cornette always bitched about the fact that it was uh, um, the hardcore style and, and all that stuff. And uh, oh, right. Tony Schiavone, like, I love this stuff, yeah. he said this was one of the most fun matches I've ever seen or I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, you know, it, I can still do without, though, and, and I know we'll get this in this money, but, you know, uh, I can still do without seeing um, Mancer get his tongue stapled to shit. Yeah, I'm getting a little sick of that, too. It's like, um, although you know, but getting stapled, it, 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 it is nice, you know, seeing how strong a wrestler Jimmy Jimmy Havoc really is when he's when he's not in that hardcore environment. You know, I, I I do really I do enjoy what we've seen so far from him in AEW, where he's where, when he's been in. I mean, I liked it, I liked him a lot in that um, Cracker Barrel Challenge as well, but I think he's also, he's also shined surprisingly to me at least in. These match in the in the regular singles matches like he had against Allen tonight. Just watching the introduction, I'm amazed at how connected to the audience Darby Allen is. Yeah, because his character really isn't something that you would that you would expect to have caught on this quickly, you know. No, I mean, well, other than the fact that he just knows how to take a beating. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, I, and. But his character of kind of like a, you know of a goth type guy almost, um, right? It's, it's not something that you would expect to catch on this quickly, in my opinion. Oh, I, I that's part of the thing that uh, that's what I'm staring at right now. I'm just amazed at how connected everyone is to him. He really seems to resonate with the crowd, and like you said, that's not something I would have expected at all. Yeah, I, I really do enjoy his style, though. I, th- I think he's got a, a unique style in the ring. I think he's got I think he's got a unique character. Um, I love I love that whole mon- the whole mantra of his, which is um, nothing's over until you're in the ground. Right. He even, ha- he even has it tattooed across his chest. Um, but it's a, it's a great philosophy and a, and a way of life, as you know. Every you know, um, and, and you know it's, it's it's another thing about like you know don't get too high, don't get too low, because a change is always around the corner. You know that they say that in baseball all the time. You should never get too high and never get too low because. You know, you're never as good as you are on your on your best day, and you're never as bad as you are on your worst day. Right, exactly. Unless you're shocked, yeah, and you're always terrible. Wow. You're just poking <laughs> the bear, aren't you? I am. That, that was just a shot. <laughs> uh, look, Sean Spears, you and I are never going to agree on Sean Spears. Uh, it's just the way it is. And for whatever reason, you find him boring. I, I think he's boring as a wrestler, but I think that it does fit his person, his character right now. And I think that might be what's drawing me in a little bit more. Um, I, you know, I no, it's, I guess boring's boring, I guess is the wrong word. Meticulous, I think is more the word I'm looking for. Uh, I think you meant to say tedious, but well, it could be that too. <laughs> Keep in mind, I am really, really sick right now and on a lot of medicine. So, Oh. And have all and have you know for, I mean especially today, but but for, but for two and a half weeks. weeks as well, you know. So. And it's been two and a half weeks. Well, no, two weeks tomorrow was when I first got the first got whatever this is. 
Um, you know, the only thing, I think the only match that we haven't talked about so far, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the opening match. You know, you, you and I just talked about on Kingdom of Honor two nights ago about how we had seen uh, the, you know, probably our be the best tag team match of the year just just a few days before that. And now these guys come out and put together maybe you know probably the best television tag match of the year, <laughs> as as you know Private Party t takes on um, and beats the Young Bucks in a, in a major upset in the opening round match of the AW World Tag Team Title Tournament. You know the Young Bucks said at that press conference to introduce AEW that they wanted to form they wanted AEW to have the best tag team division in the world. And I think you and I have thought they've had that pretty much ever since their inception. But to right. see them come, come out there and do that and prove it tonight um, with, with these two teams and, and putting over this young team um, in, a, in a manner you know, differently than what you and I thought. You and I thought like, what, that, you know, a, a strong possibility would be that the former AEW would come in here and they would cost the Bucks the match, you know, setting up a grudge match between the two teams. Former LAX. Isn't that what I said? Former, no, you said the former AEW. Oh, the former LAX, my bad. Yeah. Um, PNP as they are now known. Well, they're not. They're, they're known that on the well, I guess they, they, have been, they have not been called an AEW yet. I guess you're right. They, they are just Santana and Ortiz. Right. And part of the inner circle. Um, but we thought that they would interfere in the match and, you know, cost the Young Bucks a shot, therefore setting up a grudge match. But instead they went... You know the the, the more uh, sports oriented way rather than the sports entertainment oriented way, which I really appreciate, and having the Bucks get a have a clean loss, um, in, a, in, a, in a believable way and, a, and another great finish to no. um, to private party. And that's what I was going to say. You know, it was. I, I am a huge fan of Mark Quinn. I'm a huge fan of both of them. I think they're both amazing. Um, Mark that's Quinn. What Mark Quinn did. Where, you know, you and I talked before about how there's way too much dives out of the ring, but that spot Quinn did where he was going back and forth, and then he did that Beats, yep. 450 at the top rope. I mean, a guy his size to do such a graceful 450. I mean, that guy is a major fucking star. You know the the oh yeah in the future yeah, and I believe this tag team's a major major player for years to come. I didn't realize they were from House of Glory though. What was that tag team that you and I fell in love with from House of Glory? New York Connection, and I and I do want to see if I can find a match between those two, between those two teams. <laughs> so I mean, you and I fell in love with New York Connection. We had no clue these guys even existed, right. and now to see how great they are, I want to start watching more House of Glory. <laughs> well, um, by the time that we saw House of Glory in that Impact special, these guys had already been signed to AEW, and we're all, and because remember they were also part of the. Um, Casino Battle Royale at... Oh, that's right. Yep, you're right. Okay. Yeah, so that does make sense why we didn't see them. Because I can't, I can't imagine that Impact wouldn't have had them on the show if they were still under contract. Right. I'm sure they would have. Um, speaking of guys that used to be under contract, under contract with Impact, um, I, don't, I doubt you've had a chance to watch NWA Power yet, but both Eddie Kingston and Homicide showed up on there. Well, isn't Eddie part of um no and i haven't watched it i'm watching it tomorrow um after i finish after we do our uh, you know our ecw show tomorrow i'm gonna i plan on watching it but um i thought eddie kingston was signed to evolve well i don't think anybody's actually i mean i, I shouldn't say anybody but i don't think 
most people were actually under contract with Evolve. I think it's more like, you know, they, they kind of come in there for shows here and there. So I think he signed, but, but Kingston showed up on NWA Power. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely. His former OG LAX guy is Homicide. And Homicide is a guy who can still go. I also didn't realize that Dusty's in his 50s. I don't know why I never realized that, but, you know, we were talking on Monday about wrestlers. Dustin, Dustin, yeah. Okay. Um, We were talking uh, about wrestlers in their 50s last Monday, and he was a guy that just really escaped my mind, but he's another one that his his style of wrestling is a lot like Minoru Suzuki, where he never really had to change it. And he's still able to, yeah, and he's still able to go in his 50s. Well, I wouldn't say he's that... I, I would say he's he's a more vibrant. I mean, he was always a great wrestler. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, I always enjoyed watching Dustin, no matter what role he was in. But I think that he's become an even more vibrant wrestler now, in his fifties, than he was, you know, ten years ago. Oh yeah, than he was ten years ago. But when you look back at his NWA stuff, he was. This is what he was when he was the natural and all that. You know, I was actually thinking about this the other day, but just in regards to our um, to our Wrecked with Rassler series, and I was thinking that if we, you know, if we do either a Steve Austin, which I think we probably will at one point, or Dustin Rhodes, I would have a hard time keeping out the tag team match from Super Bowl Two. No, that that is four. absolutely one hundred percent my top four. Yeah. He stole that show. Dustin Dustin stole that show because of that match. And I think that might have been the match. With all the, with all the selling of Austin's clotheslines and everything. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that is really, I mean, Dustin had a name, but I think that was the match that really broke him out of his dad's shadow. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, his team with his team with, with Wyndham helped do that, and then, and then, that, and then he had, you know, we, we talked about, uh, about um, we talked about uh, Triple H and, and The Rock, but really Austin and, Austin and Rhodes, they feuded over the, WWE tag team titles, they feuded over the world television title, and they feuded over the U.S. title. And then, uh, didn't they feud over the IC title, too? Uh, the IC title, maybe. Or was Dustin was Dustin kind of out by then? I don't by the time... remember Steve Austin ever facing Goldust for the IC title, but I could be wrong. I yeah, I guess. I, well, I'm sure we'll find it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this tag team match. You know, I, I think that, um, I mean, obviously the Young Bucks you expect that from, but I, I think Private Party really brought really brought it tonight. We saw Isaiah. What's his last name? Isaiah. I was wondering. I don't remember. Washington. I know that's not right. But Is it Crow? I can't think of the name. Um, anyway, he 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 did a lot of he did his his Matt Jackson impersonation tonight. So yep, with the bad back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and I loved how um, Excalibur made the callback to Matt Jackson, knowing a thing about bad backs. Yeah, I did too. I, I loved that little you know thing. I loved the fact that um, Jr. talked about them as a young Midnight Express the first time he saw them. <laughs> I mean, granted, Isaiah Cassidy. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, okay, and I I really like him too. It might have been Rock and Roll Express. I know it was some. Oh, Midnight Express is the autograph I just got. Okay, so they're on my mind. Um, but yeah, to see him, you know, compare to know that, and that was really their first draw or callback to, you know, the old NWA days. Yeah. 
But I, I, I love the finish. I love the fact that it was a surprise roll-up. That is how you do an upset victory and make both teams look strong. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you know, the, one of the finishes for the Young Bucks is the sharpshooter. So, you know, we saw that we saw uh, Cassie fight his way out of that. We saw Quinn fight his way out of one as well. Um, you know, we saw... Uh, well, did Cassidy did both of their finishers, and then um, and, and then you know finally it was a roll up out of the attempted um, Melter driver that that got the win. So that was yeah, it was really smooth, and I really liked I really liked how it was done. I I would say that the camera the camera work on that wasn't really wasn't really well timed because we saw um, Jeff get pulled off the apron, and then by the time the camera cut back across, Quinn was. You- it was the three, already in the roll-up. The third count of the three count. So. Yeah, he was already in the roll-up, and, and that's live TV. Yeah. You know, that's not scripting. That's you know, this is what NJPW has done so well. Um, you know, sometimes they miss moments, sometimes they catch moments. You know, and there's going to. I mean, they caught the three. They caught the three of the three counts. So it wasn't. It wasn't a, a huge miss. It was still super exciting, and then, of course, you got to see them party in the crowd, which is which was awesome, and the the disappointment of the young bucks. You know, selling it. Um, and and you're right. That is that is part of live TV. You know, I would I would much rather have something like that than the cameramen know where everything is every single moment that's going to happen. Right, which is yeah, which is a bad bad thing. But this, I, I don't know. I I was so impressed with Private Party. I was I, I felt like they really hung with the Young Bucks. I love the fact that the Young Bucks came out with some new moves. That neck breaker backbreaker thing I thought was really cool, and their um, power bomb slice bread. Those are two things that I've never seen them do before. So it was nice that they they you know finally we finally got to see these new moves that they've been talking about for months. And I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to um, well I don't want to shit another one of your heroes here, but but it's amazing how Matt Jackson's been doing this beer for like two months and he's already better than Edge ever was with him. Right, exactly. I thought that too. <laughs> when, when I saw that, I'm like, holy shit, he does that better than Edge did. And he and he had you know he had a couple of wrinkles himself like that. He added the uh, the press slam um, spear combination just like a few months before the ladder match. So yeah, Matt, right. I think I think they're all, they're they keep improving their game, and that's a good idea since now they're they have their old fans, but they're also on a national television level, and they're going to have to have you know on average longer matches than I think what what they did, and and also have to kind of get their stuff into. And it it sounds like we're not allowed to call it the sharpshooter anymore. I don't know if there might have been a copyright infringement thing happening, but um, Jim Ross, no, the uh, uh, AEW announcers, because Jim Jim Ross started to call it the sharpshooter, and Excalibur cut him off and called it the um, Scorpion Deathlock, and that's what they referred to it as the rest of the match. I don't think you can have a trademark on sharpshooter. I don't know, but I just, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he literally was in the middle of calling it a sharpshooter and Excalibur cut him off. And then it was the Scorpion Deathlock for the rest of the match. Oh, interesting. I, I totally missed that. Um, and the, the one that where, uh, Cassidy, was it Cassidy? What is, what? Isaiah Cassidy? I, yeah, Isaiah Cassidy, where he, um, was fighting out of the, sharpshooter deathlock whatever and matt jackson hit his inside out um face buster i thought that was a yeah nick did i thought that was a good spot i mean there there were so many good spots in this match i loved the the way that um 
the Bucks kind of played that intense heel role, but you know we're still the baby faces, and everything. They weren't, they weren't cheating; they were just using dirty tactics. Yeah, and I mean that, and I really liked that spot too, where Nick um, stopped the uh, tag by pulling Cassidy off the rope or off the you know off the, t- and that was a good callback when it happened later on to Nick. I always enjoy that spot, and I, and I think um, I think it was timed right, and the, you know the crowd is, is hot for that tag. It's just a, a perfect wrestling moment, and that, and that happened tonight. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was perfectly done. We got the call back to it later. Um, the other thing that I did notice is we didn't get our trademark Nick Jackson spot, where he gets the hot tag and comes in, does all the flips and everything, and his the, the guy on the outside, the guy on the inside, and. That didn't happen in this match either. No, and, and actually speaking of speaking of hot Nick Jackson moments, I, I really enjoyed the opening of this match where he kept trying to hit the super kick and and yep. so he just had an answer answer for every time he tried it. Yeah, I saw that. I noticed that too. Uh, and that was that was interesting. And then of course he's frustrated so he spits his gum at him. I just I thought That's the first heel moment of the match right there. Yeah, and I thought they were I thought both these tag teams were on point and they put on it's it's one of those things where I, I think if I hadn't watched um, that NJPW match earlier this week, I would have this as my match of the year so far as tag team match of the year. But it, we it, we had that happen with a hardcore match uh, a couple mo- a month or so ago too, where we just saw the greatest hardcore match ever, and then the next two that we saw were like eh, but it's not as good. Yeah, and, and you know, last week, you know, we we both basically agreed that the best match of the entire night was Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle. I would have a hard time. I, I think it's it's I'm hard pressed to think that anybody any match is going to top this one tonight. Well, I mean, on NXT, we thought that was the match of the night. I don't know if I agree that that was the match of the of the night for both shows. I thought Cody Rhodes, um, Sammy Guevara might have been slightly a touch better. I'll have to go back and watch it. I might have, it might have been the excitement, but I, I just remember liking that match more than I did the Cole versus Riddle match. I thought the Cole versus Riddle was a great match, but I seem to, re- I, I just remember liking the Guevara match better. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, that's right. I thought you and I agreed on that, but apparently we didn't, or, you're, or, you're, uh, or you changed your mind, which is fine. I mean, that's. that's well, I, I agree that that was the best match of NXT, um, by far the best match in NXT. Um, I just and I think maybe maybe it is the uh, the fact that I, I was so excited it was the first match and everything that I might have a little bit more love for it. Um, I'll have to go back and watch it. Maybe watch the two back to back and see which one I like better. Yeah, well, we, this, we, both really, we both really liked the Hangman versus Pack match from last week too. Yeah, that was a really good match, too. That was hurt a little bit by the commercial break. But, um, you know, another weird moment that kind of just I just remembered because I'm watching it now on the replay was um, when B. Priestley and uh, Rio's trainer came out. It was kind of a weird little combination because you had B being, you know, the stoic heel. And then you had this little... um, Rio's trainer bouncing around the ring trying to get the the crowd involved. Yeah. 
it was just kind of a weird little togetherness, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I missed that part of it, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching the replay like you were, so I can, so I, I hadn't even thought about that. But uh, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of weird having her on there in the first place. But I, it was, I think it was, I thought it was kind of obvious she was going to be the one taking the, taking the loss. Oh yeah. She was the one that had to t- had to eat the fall. They've always got to have that one person that's going to eat the fall, right. unless yeah, it's a higher. I mean, it, it, it does seem like they're booking AEW a lot, like like New Japan. Yeah, it it feels it, with the with the quality of the matches, it feels a lot like New Japan when I'm watching it. And, the, and that it's, I think that they're they're also like going for long term planning, and and you know they're going to reward you for being patient in a way right. that. A certain other organization hasn't for years. Well, and not just you know, not just that organization, but any others like Ring of Honor hasn't put on this quality of matches on TV in a in a very very long time. You know, Impact does has some decent matches. Maybe that'll change with their access run. But you said it last week with NJPW. There's only so much you can take of this quality of matches. So a two hour show is about perfect for it. Well, it's not the quality of the matches. It's it's, it's more the New Japan main event style where there's they're so lengthy and there's so much drama and stuff and it's it, it's just you get exhausted yeah you get exhausted after three of them that you can you just kind of okay I got to take a break and watch that fourth one tomorrow um but this I, I love as much as um I agree that I don't think Britt Baker should be in a, as high a profile spot as she is I love this slow burn that is happening with her and um, B Priestley where it's not they clearly hate each other. They fight every chance they get, but they are really, really stretching this out for the big payoff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'm, and I'm hoping it takes place at full gear. So, there, so there's, um, you know, so there's, there's more than one women's match on that show. So they they tend title match plus there's B Priestley versus uh, Britt Baker on there. They tend to. Um, in their pay-per-views, they tend to give spotlight on everything. So we're going to get a couple of tag team matches. We're going to get a couple of one-on-one matches, and we're going to get a couple of women's matches. But, yeah. Hey, do you have anything else on this one? Because we're pushing an hour right now. Our our Sean, Spe- our Sean Spears debate went a little over. <laughs> no, I, I, did, I did want to say something off-topic before we went off the air, and then and I... Just because I thought it was kind of funny, my my wife uh, went on Facebook today and she did one of those um, weird little quizzes you can do, and it came up that she was going to get married <laughs> on February 29th of next year to somebody whose name starts with J. And she said, "I don't even know anybody whose name starts with J." And I said, "Honey, I hope you and Jeff are very happy together." <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, gross." <laughs> Love you too, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm, I'm looking forward to next week's AEW again. We've got we've got Chris Jericho defending against Darby Allen. They did they, they did a, quite a bit of the in the last couple of minutes of this show to to um, to set that up and to create a bit of a grudge between the two of them. Uh, we also have the next two um, matches of the tag team title tournament next week, which I think is best friends versus SCU with the way that they kind of played it up. Yeah, Best Friends versus SCU, and then also we have um, the Jurassic Exp- Express taking on um, the Lucha Bros. 
Are they going to do both of them next week? I think so. I'm not exactly sure. Because they, well, they have time to just do one one every week. No, because not, the, the finals are not at the pay-per-view. They're going to be through, like, the week The week before. before. Oh, all right. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm pretty sure this, it's. I'm pretty sure they do this, the other two, the other two quarterfinals next week, then the semifinals the week after, and then the title match the week after that. Yeah, that would make sense. So, so those are three big matches that are announced because you know, two of them are, are quarterfinals of the tag tournament, and then we actually, the, hold on, they have they have enough time because it's um, what November 9th that the pay per view is. Yeah. They have time to do just one match next week. Because if they do, you know, quarterfinal next week, quarterfinal on the 23rd, and then the semis, both matches of the semis on the 30th, then they can have the finals on the 6th right before the pay-per-view on the 9th. Okay. Fair enough. So, I, I mean, I don't have anything more. thing I wanted to say is, you know, before I... I let you tell them how they can hear us other places and how they can get in touch with us. I, I also wanted to just thank everybody for making last week's Dynamite After Dark our, our highest um, rated, highest listened to show for Jeff and I since since um, LOP Radio moved to, moved to uh, Spreaker. Yeah, it was nice. I enjoyed it. I, I like to see those numbers. I want to see it continue. But uh, you can hear us, um, you know, twenty four seven on a couple of different things. I, I were on iTunes. Um, I don't know if Dynamite After Dark is on iTunes. Uh, somebody told me that it wasn't, so I, I will have to look into that. Um, Well, it looks like we lost Jeff, so I wouldn't have our usual stuff. So you can reach him at at Ouija Co-op at, at, at Ouija Co-op on Twitter. That's R-E-E-J-E-C-O-A-P. <clears throat> you can reach me at, at Zanman, L-O-P. That's X-A-N-M-A-N-L-O-P. Um, you can also... Yeah, there's there's it's hanging, uh, hanging him up. Um, you can also reach him just at Kingdom of Honor Honors. Or excuse me, facebook.com slash kingdom of honor. You can reach us on Patreon at patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, you can also, um, on Twitter, just hashtag KOH and hashtag DAD for Dynamite After Dark. Uh, and stay tuned to all the, all the other LOP radio shows. Today was Sports Entertainment is Dead. Tomorrow is M's LOP Radio Adventure. On Friday is the right side of the pond. And then Jeff and I will be back with you with Kingdom of Honor next Monday. 
Thanks, everybody. Have a great night, long days, pleasant nights, and take care of yourselves.